Welcome everyone to Aquarian Insights. In today's episode, I sit down with my wife and business partner, Megan, as she asks me questions about what we do and why we created Aquarian Health Solutions. And we get into my views on health, what's important for health and sport performance, and some of my thoughts about where we're at as a society right now and my views on life in general. And it's a fun interview, and I hope you guys enjoy If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. And for more information about our clinical practice and how we can help, visit us at AquarianHealthSolutions.com. Today I wanted to do something a little bit different in that I'm going to do the uncomfortable thing and talk a little bit about myself. Today my lovely wife and business partner Megan is going to help me with this. She has created and curated a whole bunch of questions to probe me, some things that she wants to ask me and some things that uh, she thought would be useful for everyone to know. And so just to give you guys a little bit of context about kind of why I'm producing this and all the content I'm creating with Aquarian Insights, I thought this would be a little fun, a little bit of a change of pace. So I'm going to let Megan take it away. Hello, wonderful listeners. Welcome to my interview. So, do I call you Brendan or Dr. McLaughlin? We didn't outline that. Okay, Brendan. So, talk to me a bit about how you even came up with Aquarian Health Solutions. Where did that come from? So, Aquarian Health Solutions is our clinic where we offer concierge natural medicine. And then as a byproduct, we have Aquarian Insights, which is the podcast, and Aquarian Apothecary, which is our supplement store. So Aquarian sort of stems from many things, but one of them being my mother happens to be an Aquarius, and I wanted to honor her in, in the name. Love that. I have to keep it in the family somehow. That's sweet. So I know you have quite an extensive professional world in professional sports. What made you want to lean into the alternative health side of things? Yeah, I, th- I think my education, as far as medical education goes, has primarily been on the alternative side of things. And so I didn't get into sport on purpose. It was just one of those things that life had in store for me. And the interesting thing, when I had my clinical practice back in Canada, and then even when I was traveling with professional athletes, and then even now... I have an interesting dichotomy of patients in that I've always sort of seen professional athletes or aspiring professional athletes, but I've seen complex chronic health issues at the same time. And then I've been very blessed to straddle both of those worlds and come to realize that at the end of the day, regardless of if it's a chronic health condition or sports performance, treating the human is paramount to all of that, right? So it doesn't matter what the goals are. It shifts a little bit, maybe implementation of some things, but it doesn't matter what the goals are because at the end of the day, what we do at Aquarian is really treat the human first, right? So do you feel the transition between the different mindsets with professional sport and with healing and health and wellness Do you feel it is a transition, or do you take the same approach to both, regardless of in what setting you're seeing them? Yeah, I think it's the same approach to everything. Again, implementation might be a little bit different, but the first things we always look at is 
what's interfering with someone's health or performance. And this could be a physical issue, this could be an injury, or some kind of deficiency or toxicity. This could be something wrong with their physiology. Could be an energetic issue in energetic communication in the body, how the nervous system is working, how the meridian systems are working. Could be a mental emotional issue, or it could be a higher level issue. And all of these things can interfere with someone being well in a health sense, but it can also all interfere with someone's performance. And the biggest thing I think with athletes is they brush aside a lot of health things and just focus on performance, performance, performance. But that is exactly the same as a CEO running a Fortune 500 company that's trying to run the company and do well by investors and employees and all of these things. It's the goal is always outputs rather than looking at deep down sort of what's going on in their health and how to optimize those things, whether it's for someone's life or whether it's for a particular sport. I think that's a great way to put it. Are there any other misconceptions between performance in sport and performance in health that you want to kind of touch on? Yeah, I, th I think the there's a lot of misconceptions. In the sport world, no one usually considers health issues until an athlete has a very serious health issue, right? And the biggest thing in sport, too, that I find is a lot of, quote-unquote, orthopedic issues, knee injury, back injury, whatever, can be true orthopedic issues, especially in contact sport or a, with repetitive injuries, but they also can be problems with organs, they can be from chronic infections, they can be from all of these different things. So whether it's a person suffering from a chronic issue or whether it's an athlete, again, we have to look holistically at the whole person to really understand what's going on. And because if we don't do that, what I see is people end up down this rabbit hole of getting all these different diagnoses and getting all these unnecessary treatments. In sport, a lot of times that's too many surgeries or too much manual therapy or what have you. And in healthcare, it's too many medications or too many supplements trying to treat surface level issues when we haven't really understood the human first and we haven't really tried to pinpoint what's sort of the progenitor of all of the issues that they're facing. So do you have like an ideal type of a holistic athlete? Yeah, to keep it very simple, I think for athletes and for people, we want to optimize our physical body. So athletes are very good at sort of honoring their physical body. And oftentimes it's been too much time and attention on their physical body and not enough on other areas, whereas a lot of people with chronic conditions don't spend enough time with their physical body, right? They're worried about the condition that they have or what have you, not realizing that there's a lot of movement-based solutions and things that they can do with their physical body that can be helpful. It sounds to me that you need both worlds. You need to be in your body, but you also need to be out of your body, correct? Yeah, and, and I think how I laid out simply for people, I kind of have a map that I call the levels of health, and that's episode one on the podcast, thanks to, thanks to Megan here, <laughs> which is why I made that episode one of the podcast, because I think 
before we can have better conversations. That's something that probably needs to be understood to the best that we possibly can. And I think intuitively most people get it. It's just most physicians, therapists, and people in healthcare and in sport don't really outline that, right? So we need a we need a proper framework. Um, not saying that mine's complete, but we need a proper framework to work off of, right? And so to keep it simple, you know, we want to optimize the body and have proper working biochemistry. But then we want the bioenergetics of the body to be functioning properly. And this is something that was on the periphery of science for a long time, but now we're realizing in modern science how much our body is electromagnetic and how honoring those electromagnetics in the body is imperative for proper functioning health and proper functioning sports performance. And then the thing that kind of sits on top of that is our consciousness. So our thoughts, feelings, emotions, and belief systems, right? So whether we want to optimize performance or health, we need to seek to remove interferences at all of those levels, but then also look at ways we can upgrade those things. So since embracing the levels of health and your approach to healing, how do you feel your view on alternative health has changed? Has it changed? Yeah, I think it's changed. I, I, when I first started kind of in the functional health space, if you want to call it that, in, in the learning process, I, I think, you know, you do all the lab work and you do all the things and you try and optimize people's lab work in, in an effect of saying, okay, well, if we optimize the biochemistry, then you're going to magically feel better. And the reality is a lot of times when you do all this blood work and you do all these different types of functional medicine testing and all these things, the labs can get better, but people don't necessarily feel better and or the quality of their life hasn't improved. And so for me, that's the biggest thing. Has, has the quality of someone's life improved by going through the processes? And there might be a lag time between quality of life improvement and lab work. And I think... One of the biggest things is, as I've gone through this, I started in a physical medicine background thinking that, you know, if you fix the body, a lot of things will fix itself, which is true. And then moving kind of into the energetics and sort of acupuncture and Chinese medicine, thinking that will be helpful. Well, that's also true, but that's not the whole story. And then slowly through different degrees and all of these things and gaining more understanding, I've sort of worked my way up unbeknownst to me naturally through the levels of health and I've spent a copious amount of time in study kind of on the role of emotions with German new medicine in health and so when we look at alternative healthcare or just healthcare in general it's really important for all of us whether we're physicians or patients or whatever to have a way of assessing all of these things properly and then collecting as much data as we possibly can and seeing where interventions need to be placed. Because if we're only looking at the physical body, whether that's through lab work or whether that's through physical assessment or whatever, then that's the only place we're going to treat. And just because someone's experiencing symptoms at the physical level doesn't mean that's where it started. 
And so it could be an energetic issue, it could be a mental emotional issue, could be a higher issue with family or community or those kind of things. So all of that stuff needs to be assessed properly and there's ways and means to doing all of that. We just have to understand first that those all play a role in our health and also in sports performance. So how would you go about explaining the levels, but also what sounds like a boundary between each level? I, I, I think the reality is there is no boundary between each level. And so what I always tell folks is you can't be magically healthy on one level and unhealthy on others. Okay. And so our perception of reality and our perception of time changes things. But what I've seen in clinical practice is someone can suffer a emotional issue or something like that. And that could precede a physical illness by weeks, by months, by years. And the same thing too, in Chinese medicine, we can see problems at a meridian level way before we could ever see an issue with a physical end organ or a physical issue. And so it's just how we assess and then establishing a time course of how these things happen, right? And the biggest thing with all of this is realizing that health isn't just an absence of symptoms, right? Because that's a very different thing than trying to actually live optimally and optimize all of these different levels. And so that's the, that's the biggest thing is they all occur all together. There's sort of an interference at one level and it can trickle down into the physical or a physical issue can trickle up too, right? If we've hurt our knee and we can't, we're immobilized or whatever, that's going to have mental emotional consequences on everything too. So everything occurs all at once. It's just our perception of things changes sort of how we view kind of the time course of things. So no, knowing that there's levels, is there one level that's more important than others? Or is it all equal and all need attention in their own right? I, I, I think different practitioners have different skill sets. And so because of their skill sets, they will be biased towards mental emotional level everything sort of being a physical body issue everything being a biochemistry issue everything being a meridian or nervous system issue and so there's inherent bias in different practitioners which makes it challenging because everyone has a different viewpoint but the reality is they're all important and what i always tell folks is we can have the right intervention at the wrong time and so we need to take a step back and really look at the human as a whole and then figure out the totality of what's going on and then figure out what the most effective interventions are, sort of what the lead dominoes are at that time. And then also strongly consider treating multiple different things at once. And that's why, I mean, for us, when people come in, if they have issues that we can help them with, but then they also have other structural issues or other things going on that other practitioners can help with while they're doing these things, then we refer them to other people to co-treat 
this person, right? Because our bodies have a lot of different mechanisms of how to deal with stress and illness and all of these things. And by the same token, too, if someone's environment is unhealthy, we unfortunately cannot separate ourselves from our environment as much as we want to. So that can mean remediating the home from mold. That can mean cleaning up the Wi-Fi and cell, cell phone environment. All of these different things become important that are above and beyond, you know, just dealing with one thing in specific. Going off of the environment, do you feel there's an interplay between what we consume as far as like movies, music, that kind of thing? at points in our healing that can be detrimental. Oh, absolutely. I mean, our our thoughts, feelings, and emotions are predicated in part on what's going on inside of our body, but then also what we're exposing ourselves to. And uh, a really fast-track way to make yourself feel miserable is stay up late in artificial light and watch scary movies and intense movies and dramatic movies all the time and read intense material and watch the news all the time. I mean, that's a fast track for anxiety, depression, and ill health, right? So we have to be, especially in this day and age, we have to be very careful where our attention goes, especially if we're in the process of healing from something, right? Because stress is in sort of capital S stress and big picture, most people understand that that is not good for healing. There's so many things in our environment to keep us stuck in stress, to keep us stuck in fear and all of these things. And so oftentimes a big part of healing is really mitigating those things. So changing topics for a bit, Talk about, like, your home work-life balance. Do you take the same approach to your relationships outside of the clinic as you do with clients and patients? Explain that a little bit more. With the clinic, you're always trying to assess where someone's at and try to meet them where they're at to help them along the road. With myself and with your friends and family are you always trying to see what level someone needs a bit of attention to i i believe at this point my wife's teasing me for not taking my doctor hat off ever (laughs) yeah in probably the nicest way possible yeah look i do my best to separate things obviously between work and life and One of the challenges, I think, as a physician, regardless of how you practice medicine, is being able to separate yourself and heal yourself and kind of lead by example. And I think no one wants to go to a physician who is overweight and smokes cigarettes and has tremendous amount of health problems. And what my mentors always tried to instill in me for years is in order to really help people in in a leadership role, but then also just in a very practical role, is you have to have conquered the things and gone through some of the things that people have gone through and be a healthy example for what's possible, right? And so, yeah, no, I'm pretty good at separating things. It's very difficult because I, I want to 
do my best for patients and make myself as available as possible. And uh, a lot of people have serious stuff that's going on that we have to really attend to. So I do my best to help them as much as possible and be as accessible as possible. But at the same time, boundaries in life are important. And I think a lot of people, honestly, whether it's in a sports arena or whether it's in a chronic health setting, some of their stress, anxiety, and physical health issues comes from the fact that they cannot create specific boundaries, whether that's with specific members of family, whether that's with society at large, what have you. But the lack of boundaries makes it really, really difficult to sort of come within ourselves and do some inner healing. Working on yourself as a clinician is important, but also working on yourself as a person? Or is it one and the same? Because... Yeah, the, the, they're one and the same. I, I, I think so much of my inner work has stemmed from a need to understand things clinically on a deeper level and checking my thoughts, beliefs, sort of working view of the world. And at the same time, I love what I do, so I don't really particularly consider it work. You know, it's... I come to terms with the fact that this is kind of why I'm here and then to help people. And, and so it's never, it's never been work for me. So I just right from essentially the time I get up to the time I go to bed, it's sort of being in that position and then acknowledging just as human nature goes, we all need to take breaks once in a while. And I think as I've gotten older, I'm, I'm probably better at doing that, but yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, it's always a, persistent challenge to better understand myself so that I can turn around and better understand those around me. So what would you say is the biggest challenge? As far as working with patients or just in life? Both. Knowing that each person has so much that they come with that they may or may not realize and just interacting with them on a day-to-day, but then also with patients, you never see them at their best. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the, the funny things. I, I think first and foremost is, for folks, is bringing awareness around things that they might not be aware of. I think so many people, whether it's in athletics or whether it's in a health space, we don't know what we don't know. And a lot of us are driven by our unconscious thoughts, feelings, emotions, and belief systems. And that's why we do a lot of the testing in the way that we do. It's very unique because we can uncover these unconscious belief systems, these unconscious thoughts, feelings, emotions that are stored within the body and uncover them for people and initiate a process of healing. And I think that's that's one of the unique, beautiful things about what we do, is yeah, we, we you know look at the blood and look at the blood work and all the different functional tests and look at the bioenergetics of the body, but one of the beautiful things is we can really uncover these unconscious belief systems, thoughts, and emotions, because those are inevitably the things that stall people out 
whether it's on their health journey or their performance journey, eventually people get to a point where they're confronted with these sets of unconscious beliefs that can be very limiting. And so to be able to bring light to those things and then provide solutions for those things, that's when, to me, that's when we can make a lot of beautiful progress in things. Do you ever take things personally with the patients? I mean, look, when, when I was a young clinician, probably too much for my own good. But the reality is we're all human. And, uh, you know, people, healing can be difficult. In the sports arena, where everything is high pressure all of the time, it can be very difficult. So, no, I, I don't think take things personally because, you know, my, my job is to show people the way. It is not to do it for them. Right? And, and look, if I could... If I had the tools and ability to snap my fingers and, and make everything better for people, then I absolutely would. But unfortunately, I mean, the reality is my, my job is to bring awareness to things, to show people what's possible, to show them a path forward. But then what they do with that information, I'm not in control of. And so that's entirely up to them. So one of the biggest things... And honestly, whether it's in sport or whether it's in health, one of the biggest things that inhibits people is at some point, everyone has to have self-responsibility. And unfortunately, some people are coming to this world and have certain experiences in life where they've never had to have self-responsibility. And so that when they're presented with a challenge, especially a health challenge, unless they take self-responsibility for it. And that's a very, very difficult road because then they're always searching for people to take responsibility for them instead of becoming an autonomous individual and taking responsibility for their life and for their health and then utilizing physicians and other experts and different things to help them attain their goals. But at the end of the day, it's on them. And the same thing in sport too. There's incredibly talented, amazing humans that have such a gift. But when things don't go their way, instead of looking within and taking some self-responsibility, they have a very difficult time doing that. So then coaches get blamed, teammates get blamed, physicians get blamed, whatever. And so regardless of if it's a health issue or a sport issue, inevitably we have to confront that self-responsibility piece. So if someone comes in and they have very specific issues or they're open to open and accommodating to doing whatever it takes to, that's going to be helpful to overcome whatever they're dealing with, if they come into it with a level of self-responsibility, then inevitably they're going to do much better than someone who doesn't. What are your thoughts on clinics that take insurance? Yeah, look, I, th I think we're all trying to navigate the system as it's designed. And that's perfectly fine. I don't hold anyone at fault for that. I think for me personally, I never wanted insurance to dictate my care for anybody. And so when I talk to colleagues and friends of mine who are kind of in in the insurance part of healthcare, 
presents very interesting challenges for them. And a lot of people have constructed lives and businesses that are relying on insurance companies. And insurance companies aren't treating the person, they're treating the diagnosis. And that's sort of the antithesis of what we do, is we're treating the person, not a diagnosis. And so I'm fundamentally at odds with that perspective on health. And so I don't want that perspective on health to predicate what I can and cannot do or how much or how little care someone should get. Because on the flip side too, there's things that can be solved quite simply, but in an insurance model, we'll say, okay, it's going to take 12 visits or this many hours or whatever. So a lot of people get unnecessary care for things when the problem can be solved quite quickly. And then on the flip side, some complex things can take months a year, a year and a half, whatever, and insurance won't necessarily cover that. So it's, it's to me, it should be up to the physicians to determine what uh, is the most practical, best solution for people, not the insurance company. Do you ever feel insurance or the lack of accepting insurance makes quality care inaccessible to those who truly need it? Yeah, look, that is a challenge. And I think the biggest thing is I encourage everyone to find better solutions. Right. And yes, sometimes medicine can be expensive, for sure. In a conventional allopathic setting, it can be expensive too. Even if you have insurance coverage, some of these interventions cost thousands and thousands of dollars. And they don't necessarily get to the root of a problem, right? So we're all confronted with this issue. And so what I would encourage people to do first and foremost is, regardless if you're looking to increase performance in a specific sport or task in life, if you just want to be a better entrepreneur or a better CEO or a better athlete, or if you're struggling with some chronic health issues, the reality is we can't get well in the same environment we got sick in. And so changing things about our environment to be more healing at the end of the day for a lot of people may not solve the problem, but it's going to be leaps and bounds better than just trying to go down the rabbit hole of different interventions and different interventions. Because regardless of how beautiful and elegant the interventions are, if we're not eating the right food, if we're not getting outside enough, if we're sleep beside a Wi-Fi router, all of these things, we get down the list, that's going to be an immense challenge to overcome. And unfortunately, our modern environment is not the same as it used to be and is less conducive to healthy bodies and healthy minds than it used to be. And so before we even think about interventions or anything like that, really for me it's cleaning up the environment. And I think that solves many health problems so we don't have to worry about what's covered by insurance or what's not or whatever. And then if we do have to do interventions, usually they're far more effective because we've done a lot of the hard work at sort of harmonizing our environment to natural human biology. If you could snap your fingers and make everyone in the ideal environment, what would that look like and would you? I don't think I would. 
I think people need, people are at the place they're at semi for a reason. And I, and I say that with an asterisk because there are certain situations and things that people find themselves in that are just not good for anybody. And unfortunate accidents and unfortunate life circumstances do happen. So I'm not foolish enough to think that, you know, we're all in the right place at the right time or whatever. Children in war-torn countries, I don't think, are in the right place at the right time, right? But what we have to endure in our life um, on some level, if, if, we, if we allow it, can deplete our performance, can deplete our health, and all of these other things. But at the same time, we can use those things as a catalyst for change. And so to magically, you know, snap my fingers and create world peace or perfect health for everybody, I don't think is the answer. Unfortunately, people have to go through a learning process. You know, even myself, I had to go through a learning process of what actually is important for health, what actually is important for performance, what actually is important for life. And when I was younger, I had to go through a lot of trial by fire with a lot of those things. And that's why I'm at where I'm at today, because I had to go through those things, because I wouldn't have known at 20 years old. I would have no idea. And some of the things that, you know, were proposed to me by people I looked up to or family members or elders or whatever that were ostensibly a quote-unquote better way of living or a healthier way of living or whatever, I completely shrugged that off when I was younger because I wasn't ready for it. I didn't appreciate what that, I, the totality of what that meant. And so I had to go through things probably the hard way in order to realize that there was some embedded wisdom in those things. So how did you know when you were ready for it? Yeah, I think that just happened naturally. I think just the sort of natural evolution of things. As you grow wiser, perhaps, and kind of experience these things. And, you know, when I was a lot younger, when I was going in through school and stuff, I thought, you know, you could fix everything with diet and exercise and realized that that wasn't true. And then I thought, okay, well, you could fix a lot of things with diet, exercise, and some supplements or some whatever and realized that that probably wasn't true. And then when you, when you can kind of go through all of these things and figure out what's helpful and what's not helpful, then you can sit back and say they're all helpful, potentially. And I think so much of it is understanding what not to do. And I always joke with people and patients that, you know, I had to learn the hard way of what not to do so that I could be in a place with, yes, clinical education and clinical experience, but a little bit of life wisdom under my belt. So you mentioned that, like, you had to go through this learning process. Are there certain things that have just stuck with you, whether or not you practice it, but just, like, the whole, like, for example, the phrase calories in versus calorie out. Everyone knows that phrase. Are there any things like that that have stuck with you? I think where I'm at right now is kind of two sides of the coin. So one based on what I see clinically with people in a 
chronic health situation, but then also in a sports performance situation, which seem like they're opposite sides of the coin, but they're they're not, is that all of the life experiences and sort of health issues or bodily issues that we have have an emotional root somewhere. Okay. And now, on the flip side, saying that everything is an emotional problem, when rubber hits the road tactically for people's lives, I don't know if that's super helpful. It's important to acknowledge that and attend to that in a meaningful way that creates change. But we also have to really understand kind of our actions that we take on a day-to-day basis in large part determine how we think and feel about ourselves. And so we could say, oh, well, someone has X health condition because of an emotional thing that happened in prior years, which can be true, but also at the same time, if they're sitting at home watching Netflix, never getting sunshine and eating ice cream all day, Well, that has to be fixed, too. Now, it might take resolving the emotional issue to get them out of the rut to be able to move past that. Or it might take supplementation or exercise or anything. But we have these sort of two things where it seems like there's such a dichotomy. But in essence, when we can have a proper framework we can really think about these things a little bit differently and a little bit better and so if we have some of these emotionally rooted experiences it changes our nervous system it changes our biology it changes all these things and i think we just live in a culture now where unfortunately especially even in medicine that's used as kind of an excuse And it shouldn't be. It's just a reality. It's one of the things that plays a role in people's health. I think it's often the root of things. But on a day-to-day basis, like when someone wakes up, like how are you conducting your day? Like what are you doing on a day-to-day basis? And a lot of times people can overcome a lot of things by generating more purpose in their life, regardless of where they're at having a scheduled routine, getting outside more, like doing very practical things to ground ourselves in the fact that we're all here, we all have to do something, and then that can afford us an opportunity to work on some of these other things. Like I said, it can be a situation where we have to work on those things first. So we feel well enough, mentally, emotionally, and physically, to have better routines and to have more practical purpose. What's your favorite health-related conspiracy theory? Wow. This is going to get me in trouble. I'm going to try and say this without as much, without getting in trouble. Talking code, make them figure out the code. No, no. I think it's apparent to most folks that regardless of the reasons... There is no incentive to have people that are happy, healthy, and whole 
they can take care of themselves. And so in order to become happy, healthy, and whole, a lot of the times that requires we move away from certain modern habits and conveniences and these things because the whole thing is designed for us not to be that way. I'll leave it at that for now. All right. So we've been chatting for a while, and at the sake of saving some things for another episode, let's end with this one. If you had the whole world's attention for five minutes and everyone understood exactly what you were saying, what would you say? Now that's a good question. (laughs) That deserves the good question comment. If I had the whole world's attention for how long? Five minutes. For five minutes. I would say that everyone, for the most part, underestimates how wonderful and powerful they are and underestimates the power of their intention because most people don't live with any intention. They kind of just go through the motions. And they end up where they end up, unbeknownst to them, because they're being pushed around by external forces, whether that's society or work or family or friends or what have you. And so if you can live your life with some intention and reclaim some authority over your life, that's the most powerful thing that you can do, regardless of how you want to live your life, to be honest. As long as it's driven by an intention... Hopefully a good one. Hopefully a good one. And and despite everything and all of these things that uh, have happened in the last little bit, I still think that the majority, the vast majority of people will want to live a good life and have good thoughts behind what they do. And I just don't think people give enough consideration to why they do certain things and don't have enough intention behind what they do. And so I think if people can wrap their head around that, it becomes a very powerful thing. If if people can live a little more purposefully and a little bit more aligned with sort of natural life, aligned with the sun, the moon, the environment around us, I think people have to become healthier just by proxy. Because part of all of our health problems are we are so far removed from the things that make us healthy. And so I think if we can live with some intention, that inevitably will draw us closer to our natural environment. The net effect of that, in my opinion, would be happier and healthier people. Beautiful. That was great. Well. Okay. Thanks, Megan. Say bye. Bye, people.